VDSFN idea, I think, came out of a conversation with Shane Connolly um, in 2018. Sustainability is trying to find a balance between these three pillars of people, planet and prosperity. Trying to find that balance and find a system which supports all three. So we're bringing together industry and academic experts looking at greater goals in terms of sustainability and then applying these ideas to the industry or to working florists and how can we contribute to these great goals. We want a new standard for floristry. Hello again and welcome back to the Slow Flowers podcast with Deborah Prinsing. This is episode 601. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 850 florist shops and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Farm Girl Flowers. Farm Girl Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S. Supporting U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $10 million of U.S.-grown, fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgirlflowers.com. And thank you to Red Twig Farms. Based in Johnstown, Ohio, Red Twig Farms is a family-owned farm specializing in peonies, daffodils, tulips, and branches, a popular peony bouquet by mail program, and their Spread the Hope campaign where customers purchase 10 tulip stems for essential workers and others in their community. Learn more at redtwigfarms.com. I've been eager to record a conversation with today's guest, Rita Feldman, of the Sustainable Floristry Network, and we did just that earlier this week. The Sustainable Floristry Network, or SFN, evolved from the hashtag No Floral Foam campaign, which we all witnessed on social media as florists from all over the world abandoned the use of floral foam, an environmentally harmful single-use plastic. At the same time, many florists entering the industry have been turning their backs on outdated education systems that have positioned floral foam as a fundamental tool. Through their shared concern about the floral industry's lack of progress on this topic and other issues, Rita and many other like-minded floral leaders, both in her home country of Australia and in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., Europe, and other regions, realized that floristry needed a new type of education. They have founded the Sustainable Floristry Network, bringing together the knowledge of academics, industry leaders, and champions for a better industry to create more sustainable models for design and for doing business. SFN aims to provide florists with the latest information about sustainability, specifically as it relates to our profession. SFN refers to science to establish the facts and consults expert advisors for guidance in understanding and applying this information. Slowflower Society has joined SFN as an expert advisor to come alongside this inspiring initiative. Now that it's official and we're featured on SFN's website along with other impressive leaders, I wanted to introduce Rita to the Slowflowers podcast audience. I know you'll find our conversation enlightening and I hope it calls you to action. Let's jump right in and get started. 
Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Slow Flower Show with Deborah Prinzing. I'm so excited today to welcome Rita Feldman of the Sustainable Floristry Network as my guest. Hi, Rita. Hi, Deborah. What a treat to have you here. We've we've never met in person, just on no. platforms like this. <laughs> but I'm a big cheerleader of what you're doing, and several of our Slow Flowers members are involved with the Sustainable Floristry Network as ambassadors. The, the SFN idea, I think, came out of a, a conversation with um, Shane Connolly um, after a sustainable floristry event in the UK in 2018, and we both sort of put our heads together and thought, well, that's great. And I know Shane Connolly yeah. is one of your ambassadors. So yeah. we'll talk more about that. I will have to say, when you first got on my radar, yeah. is when you were you had started the hashtag no floral foam on Instagram, I believe. Is that is that an accurate attribution? No, uh, there were 36 existences of, of the no floral foam hashtag. I, I guess I made it a little bit more popular with the account. So we'll talk about your uh, path to this uh, wonderful uh, new project, but let's just introduce the Sustainable Floristry Network to people and and t- talk about what it is. For one thing, you you are not coming to us from the U.S. You're coming to us from Australia. Okay, and where exactly are you in in um, in that beautiful nation? I'm based in the Dandenong Ranges, which is the um, hills to the east of Melbourne, okay. down south, um, which is also the sort of um, main flower growing region in Australia. So about 40% of the flowers produced nationally are grown over there. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, you might have to have you might have to have your first conference there, and I'll try to make it because I would love to visit. Um, but you're um, you're international. I mean, yes, you have a lot of ambassadors from Australia because that's where you your first sort of circle probably of, of involvement that you reached out and got people to participate. But describe what the network is now and who's involved. So the network is, look, I see it as, as being um, a bit of a an education hub um, for this growing idea of sustainable forestry. So on one hand, we've got um, our ambassadors who we identified quite early on. We wanted to be able to recognise these individuals for the work they were doing at the start of the movement and and. and I think we're talking about floristry as distinct from perhaps separate to the growing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got um, our sort of experts that we're taking guidance from. So I guess I guess the way that we look at it, it's it's like a new a new discipline or a yeah. new you know a new a new school of thought for floristry. So we're bringing together um, industry and academic experts um, looking at greater goals in terms of sustainability um, and then applying um, these ideas to work to, to the industry or to working florists and how can we contribute to these greater goals as well. That's florists. amazing. Yeah. That's fabulous. And when did you, well, and I will also say in addition to those folks, you've now started bringing in partners and Slow Flowers is, has a happily joined in as just an, kind of an, an associate or affiliate to support what you're doing because we believe in it entirely. It's just so aligned with what the Slow Flowers movement is. So it's kind of hand in glove. Yeah, and we need 
we need individuals like yourself with so much, in, you know, knowledge and experience behind you because as we go forward, we want to tackle different subjects. So what we've done is create a, a, a continuing professional development program for florists. And the reason that we did that program was because floristry is pretty much an unregulated industry. Right. Um, we did a survey, um, and I don't have the stats exactly on hand, but but something like, um, they're, they're actually on the site, but something like 30%, 30, a third of all florists go through um, a traditional teaching system. The rest are learning on the job, self-taught. Like the, the percentage of florists self-taught is really, really high. Right. Um, and so there's no real standard there with regards to um, approaches to business or design. Um, and, of course, since since social media sort of exploded, um, we've seen a lot more florists come along. And we know also from, from the same survey that a lot of those, that a lot of florists finish up after three years. So you mean they, they, they exit the sure. profession? That's correct, yeah. Wow. Or, wow. or that, that there is a certain, sorry, that they, they, they've been in it for certainly for a short period of time. So the long, the long stayers, it's, it's only a small percentage. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting, but you think about like what are the barriers, barriers to entry it's there are very few. You need, yeah. uh, you know, access to water and a, a you know, few vases and a, a pair yeah. of clippers or a knife. I mean, it's. Yeah. I can see why it's. This has been under the radar for so long, uh, in terms of lack of structured, certified training or or you know, a, a, accredited training or, or a universal sets of standards. That that's right, and also the. You know, we've seen such huge changes in in wholesaling over, say, the past fifty years. Um, now, you know, certainly I can speak locally that, that the wholesaling world is set up to cater to. Like, you can walk into a wholesale and it's like a supermarket. You can select from everything. Whereas, you know, thirty, forty, fifty years ago, the world of wholesaling was very, very different. Um, and it was structured around more around markets. Um, it was unusual for florists to, to you, you know, you might buy a few things from a wholesaler, but certainly with um, our family businesses, we were certainly dealing a lot more directly with growers, mm-hmm. either either directly from the farms or through the market. Mm-hmm. But that structure's changed a lot too. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. So the... Um I guess we should back up a little bit and just uh, define what are kind of the hallmarks of the sustainable floristry practice that you um, that you and all your you know your ambassadors and advisors have kind of identified. Uh, just so we're all talking about the same term, because sustainability is one of those kind of fluid terms that gets co-opted very easily, kind of like natural or organic, and you know sometimes it's it's in, the intent is means different things to different people. That's correct. Um, look, it's 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 a sustainability is is trying to find a balance between these these three pillars of, of you know sometimes it's people, planet, and prosperity, or trying to find that balance and find a system which which supports all three. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we 
take ideas, greater ideas about sustainability and what they mean and, 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 we're, and like who do we look to for as authorities for that? Well, there's plenty of, you know, large global organisations who have done huge amounts of work that set it out very, very clearly for us. Yeah. Um, and so as sustainable florists, we're trying to address all three. So, we, yes, we need to run a business, um, but we also need to consider the needs of people within that supply chain. So a lot of the time it's about looking at the life cycle of products, where they've come from and where they're going to. Mm-hmm. And so if we're looking at flowers, we're looking at um, where, where who's grown them, under what under what conditions have they been grown, um, and then at of course end of life, where are they going to go? What materials will they be mixed with? Um, how is the how is this set up? Uh, how are domestic waste capabilities mm-hmm. set up to deal with the waste from flowers? Because really, it's a consumer that's ending up or the, or the customer yeah. with the with the materials at the end. Um, we need to look after the people. We've seen this huge shift in in in, in global floriculture. <laughs> um, now, what is it? The percentage of flowers in the US is what 20, 15%, 20% locally grown, mm-hmm. something yeah. like that. Yeah, about yeah. 20%. It's, it's, yeah. The needle is not moving very fast uh, yeah. to go back up higher. Yeah, so the, the yeah. 80% of those flowers are coming from other uh, growing regions with different employment practices and workplace practices. Is that what you're alluding to? Yeah. And we mm-hmm. need, as, as florists, we need to know that we can support our actions at, at this point in the chain can support people in different places. And so, mm-hmm. so we're talking about the growers and, and employees of, of farms and things like that. And we've got all these tools that are evolving to help us with that certification, of course, being mm-hmm. a big one. Um, and the other thing that we really um, are looking at is the environmental side of things, which often gets a lot, lot, lot more weight. So, of course, we've got the the climate issue is number one. It's huge, and and we can see that the contribution of this industry is potentially really quite significant. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because of the transport and because of growing and heating and energy, uh, heating flowers, yeah. energy is huge. Um, Basically, you know, with the we with it with it, with our course, we're looking at how can we tackle this what's known as the you know triple planetary crisis of, mm-hmm. of, of climate change, biodiversity loss, and pollution through wow. through our work. And yeah. and it's great because the work's been done for us in many cases. There are reports that say, okay, take this away to your industry and apply these things, these ideas. Um, and that's very much where our energy has been focused on trying. Okay. So um, when you started doing, and I alluded to this, you know, hashtag, you know, foam free or no floral foam. How did this get, how did this bubble up to be from your frustration about lack of sustainable practices in floristry? How did that morph into this organization that now has really ambitious plans to be a global resource for professional florists. I mean, that was a, a f- yeah, and then we threw in throwing a pandemic in the middle of that. So it probably uh, wreaked havoc on your schedule. But <laughs> Well, I think um, early on, so, so the, the no floral foam, certainly I didn't set out to run a campaign or anything like that. So oh. I was working as a florist and I'm, and I, and it came from my own personal experiences of 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 of, of 
working, I was working, I had a wedding and events business for 12 years just prior to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I very much naturally was, was, was following these sort of principles that we've now um, basing our ideas around, I guess. Um, and I was using local and seasonal and in the beginning I was using foam um, and then, but, you know, small amounts and then I really, there were a few moments where I went, you know, really had a big think about what this material was and doing and that's when I went into, you know, a path of research, I guess. Um, and so I guess watching the response, what what was great watching through the, the no floral foam account was was people's response to 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 support to change I guess mm-hmm. um because they know, were asking the same questions you had been asking right and just yeah looking for resources yeah yeah but not just about the foam because they at that point there was very little information about foam so we had to really you know set the, the facts straight with regards to what it was and the impact it can have and all those sorts of things and and that went down a path and then there was a study published and um and then after you know after that it, the priority was teaching people different alternative design and of course i i grew up doing floristry pretty much without foam mm. um so it was about sharing those skills and it's funny because I still haven't done any teaching and I've got so much. <laughs> I'll get there one day. Um, in terms of actually practical, you know, events and, and, and arranging and all that sort of thing. Application of all these these yeah. concepts. It, and it grew out of, so, so the SFN grew out of that. Um, okay. I went and spoke to, as I mentioned before, um, Shane Connolly. I spoke at a, an, a, a, a sustainable forestry afternoon that Shane hosted. In, um, and you went to London for that? In the UK, yeah, yeah, I was, yeah, and um, we had a small audience of 20, 20, 30 people at the Garden Museum. Um, and then Shane and I were just, you know, we had lunch and then we were walking across the bridge and we're just like, you know, we need a resource. Like how on how are we going to change mm-hmm. this system that is that is really flawed and problematic? Yeah. Um, and that's where I really wanted to create at least a website because I'd actually um, – Prior to running my business, I'd worked on this fantastic project, a federal government initiative here in Australia, which was called the Raising Children Network. Huh. And that was that was funded by the government and it was like a, a central information kind of so, educational site that parents can go to and say, you know, um, look up something about trying to get a toddler to sleep or, you know, mm-hmm. how to manage grumpy teenagers or, <laughs> you know whatever it is. Oh, I love it. It's like a complete, yeah. like there was a, a whole matrix that you could just follow. Yeah. Understanding how does information get shared yeah. and, and, and is accessible to people. That's correct. That's yeah. crazy. Well, um, the, the path to flowers for you, you said you had your own wedding and event business for 12 years in Australia, um, near Melbourne. That was your main market. Yes. Um, prior to that, what were you working in education in this government job or had you been have prior experience in floristry so my i'm second generation florist i so, thought so you have a yeah. family business right yeah so family so i grew up so i was very so from day dot it was it was it was flowers, selling flowers so they so my my parents started a, a roadside stand one of the 
first in 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 Australia. Wow! So I grew up on the side of the road selling cut flowers from a horse and cart, no less. <laughs> from a, a so, horse and cart. Oh my goodness! Yeah. So, so I love it. Then in the eighties, my mum, who had a fashion design background, she did the the jump over to Flora Street, um, and very very quickly, she's incredibly creative and 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 um, very quickly had a lot of five-star hotel accounts to service. Mm, mm -hmm. Um, And so from a very, very young age, I'm talking like, you know, eight, nine, Mm. I'd go along. um, And by the time I was 13, I was sort of, I loved it. You know, I was doing, at that stage, um, hotel guests, every hotel guest would have a buttonhole on their pillow waiting for them when they went into the hotel oh, so my nice. job was like those as a 13 I was making like 150 buttonholes <laughs> on a Thursday night or whatever it was so that was that was really um good fun the minute I could drive at 18 um I that's it I was doing the hotel accounts so I'd go in I'd drive in with the car change all the flowers you know do all the big wow. boy stuff so I had a very privileged entry into floristry because yeah. it can take a long time to get to that that stage, I guess. Um, and then I actually went and studied. So I always, for the next, you know, 20 or 15, 20 years, I balanced study or freelance writing with being the emergency backup person in our flower, in the family flower shops. What was the name of the shop? Um, it was the Big Bunch. The Big That's Bunch. The, the Big Bunch. So that was I so old. Love it. <laughs> yeah. That was amazing business, you know, in Melbourne. It was really until, and that was sold in 2006. Um, and that's when I started up. I moved out back out to the hills and started up wedding and events. And that just happened to time beautifully with the, the um, you know, the, the birth of blogging. Yes. And people, you know, and weddings and, 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 and the wedding flower world exploded wow and did you have a blog I didn't I didn't get on social media until oh oh, really late I was too busy yeah yeah you know like I was just literally just working just in terms of that history you had made a reference to the fact that um uh you didn't ever really learn how to use foam and foam wasn't really your essential tool in your toolbox Uh, is that because your mother was also pretty much either self-taught or came from another artistic discipline and just, you know, kind of skipped over that step? Um, No, um, it's more that we started before it became a a really popular tool. Mm. Um, So um, my mum studied too with with florists here in in Melbourne um, and, and and did a couple of courses. But, yeah, we it was all vase arranging Mm. um, for us. Everything was done in in a vase, um, which is is a lost skill, I think, these days. Mm. I know it's certainly not, there's no emphasis on teaching um, vase work in, in the curriculum here. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. Whereas to me, that's the number one, apart from handheld stuff, it's vase work. You do everything in a vase. So you weren't, you, you were just creating these natural mechanics from the stems, basically, or oh, foliages. Oh, yeah. no, and not even chicken wire at that point. Mm-hmm. We were literally making in urns and buckets, a bucket of water in an urn, you know, and start with that and you do a foliage base and off you go. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah. So when you got a little bit further along with creating the Sustainable Floristry Network, 
um, you have a, a, a core team of people who who are working with you, but you're really driving this in terms of developing the curriculum that you want to have available to people who join the network. And that's sort of what your emphasis has been, I believe, kind of building up to re, like uh, launching this curriculum later on this year. So is that correct? Yeah, look, look, it's been a bit of a moving target with regards to what, because there's so much information. We want to, we want behaviour change and we want it quickly. Wow. So we, okay. so we want to go through and we want to pick out the information that's most relevant for florists. Yeah. To understand, yeah. I love it. And you had to, before we started recording, I jotted a few notes down when you said you're, when someone joins the Sustainable Floristry Network, they're co- asked to commit to a set of business principles. And then when they take the course, which is, of course, in recommended, um, they're going to kind of be introduced to this level of behavior change. In- Other way around. So we're going oh. to ask, so you can join the network once you've done the course. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so. Yeah. All right. So because what's... there's plenty of people that will want that that they can have the certificate, and that's that's an externally accredited um, certificate. So, okay. um, uh, sorry, it's it's formally accredited as continuing professional. Okay. Um, and but they may not be in a position to commit to those business principles. Mm. That's the reality. There are a lot of people who are perhaps working for larger businesses. Um, who um, their business model is not yet able to support that. But there are, But what I am very confident about is that there are a lot of florists who can. Yeah. There are many, many out there. Yeah. And will the curriculum uh, for the certificate course, um, will, like how long will that take and what is, what is that comprised of? Many different modules or? Yes. So mm-hmm. um, we're probably going to end up around the 10 to 12 hour mark okay um it's a lot of there's a lot of video in it um we look at flowers and what goes into growing um we look at supply chain chain processes um we've done some look at plastics materials specifically foam we look at the impact on the environment um and then we've done an interview series with um focus on, on two experts of our experts, um, uh, Dr. David Beck and Dr. Jill Timms from the Sustainable Cut Flowers Project in the UK. Um, and they've done a huge amount of work around certification. Um, you know, they really are global authorities on this sort of subject of certification, um, horticulture and global horticulture. Wow. Okay. Um, so, so we've really tapped into um, their, their knowledge and and. As, as guidance for where we should go. And they're fantastic. You know, they really uh, know their stuff and, you know, we've been incredibly fortunate to have that relationship build with them because they're, they're terrific people too. Yeah, and it gives you all this this uh, immediate credibility to have that affiliation because you're not having to reinvent the wheel. You're drawing in people on their subject matter expertise and Absolutely, having yeah. them participate in this. Yeah, yeah, wow. look, and look, really, um, our, I'm facilitating or coordinating this exchange of, of knowledge, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that um, my strengths, you know, I feel really, I feel really comfortable talking to florists. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've probably worked alongside or employed several hundred florists yeah. in my life. Yeah. 
and it's it's my industry you know what I mean like um but I've also just been fortunate to have a a, you know a science journalism background too so I've been able to merge the two things together Mm -hmm. so it's been it's it's been um yeah it's a coordinating role really it's bringing science it's bringing the science of all these ideas and repackaging them in a in a way that that's so great now the science journalism um makes a lot of sense now this is kind of seeming like a natural path for you because science journalists are often asked to read really complex or or interview people on complex topics and then synthesize it to the non-professional for consumption and to to understand it so that you're in that role again yeah, and in the Sustainable Floristry Network, um, what kind of what fields of science were you uh, writing about when you did the science journalism? Um, doing a lot of actually health medical mm. stuff, mm-hmm. um, quite a bit actually. But my background was my my study background was botany, wow. so so so, so appropriate. Yeah, so it's sort of all everything you know comes together at some oh. point and you just go, oh, what are you gonna do with your life? So you're following your you're following your natural yeah. calling, Rita. That is so fantastic. Wow. Yeah. Uh well I'm excited for you because I feel like um you have identified a huge um missing component in floral education. And I don't want to just say that there are no you know places for people to learn professional floristry. And it varies by country. I would say the US is kind of behind compared to maybe what they have in the UK uh, or Europe, and I don't know. Is in Australia? You said you went through a course of study. Tell us what was what was that like? Was it pretty conventional, like a like a flower school? No, um, I I personally have not done oh, any okay. any 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 formal study. But does um, it exist? Is it existing? Absolutely, your, okay. yeah. So there's a certificate three course that is available um, for, for florists, and that's sort of a two. I think it's a two year. Like mm-hmm. Program, um, and that sort of uh, hasn't changed. Like that's been due for review, but the pandemic has has interrupted that. And that's it's great because I'm talking to educators a lot uh, within the different states, and and there's a huge amount of support within teachers. Okay, to, good. to see change in that system. There's no, I mean, like there's so much support, and students are calling for it because they're saying to their teachers. Why are we learning this? This is this is going against everything that we're being told not to do, um, yeah. particularly around these the, the base mediums. But and and the, and the problem of having alternative base mediums sort of still exists. But thankfully, we're seeing all these great alternatives start to appear, yeah. and more and more will 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 come. Well, that leads me to, to be curious about the, you know, the at least in the U.S. and maybe North America, Canada and the U.S., there is a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of pressure. I don't even know if that's pressure is the right word, but influence of manufacturers of products that aren't sustainable because they've got the checkbooks and they can sponsor the conferences and they can sponsor um, organizations or buy ads in magazines. And so, it you know, here you come along and Slow Flowers comes along and we're kind of like, you know, we're like this self-funded, you know, <laughs> upstarts, and we can't 
compete with those dollars. So that's that's why it makes it makes so much sense that it's the students and the the young people who are and the consumers who are questioning. And maybe those questions are going to force that change, um, or or at least you know oh. point out the, the the glaring problems. Yeah, yeah. We 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 might not be able to beat them on dollars, but we can certainly <laughs> beat them on education. I think. I think so. Um, I think that there's. I agree. I think that there's underestimating the um, thirst for knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and the desire for change, and people don't want to do the wrong thing. Forests yeah. don't want to be part of a polluting industry. They don't. Right. right. And they're ready. They are people want to. It's it's very simple, you know. Like yeah. people don't want to do the wrong thing. So, um, I think that there's going to be an enormous change coming yeah. because there is so much support. I can see by the number of people that have reached out to us and um, the positive feedbacks. That's exciting. So the course um, will, you talked about being externally accredited. Is that in the in Australia and through your education program or will it be in every, like, how do you, how do you get things accredited um, so, to apply to so, everyone? Yeah. So, so continuing professional development, it has international application. Okay. So it doesn't matter where, so I think we're probably going to be use, using a UK-based accreditor for that process. I see. Um, how did you... But but that has a yeah interest. So what we want this certificate to mean um, or represent is that when when a when a florist goes to a new employee, they've got something, and and we want to see as many people as possible doing that. We can't accredit a business. I um, see. It's just an individual. It's the we can only individual. Uh, sorry, accredit the practitioner. Okay. Um, and it's very similar to many industries have this mm-hmm. this this. Um, sure. Um, running um, compliance programs is very, very expensive. Um, and we wanted to create something that was an affordable, um, you know, level of accreditation for this okay. industry. That's okay. the most important thing because I think we, you know, such a huge percentage of florists are part-time um, and it is, you know, it's a notoriously low income. Yeah. You know, retail, usually retail wages. Right. But what you said about the practitioner, that is the individual, yeah. right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But it's it's like it follows you from job to job. It's a marketable right. skill that you That's can take yes. and differentiate yourself yes. when you are and joining a new firm or a new shop or a new studio. That's right. And it's something mm-hmm. you can tell the consumer too. Because mm-hmm. we we can't underestimate the push that's coming from consumers for more sustainable products. Yeah, they want a greener alternative. They absolutely do. Yeah, so I can see where like someone who does own a flower, a retail flower shop would would maybe financially support their employees to take the course. And then they can say our team of, our team of florists are, you know, certified through Sustainable Floristry Network, you know, or something like that. That's exciting. Yeah. That is really exciting. I'm I'm not even a professional florist, and I'm like I'm signing up. I need to be <laughs> able to just soak it up and really understand. You know, also I think have the language to talk about this knowledgeably, and and you know not get into these petty fights about you know shaming someone over using floral foam. Well, no, right. we're not doing that. We're going to talk about science based uh, explanations for right. alternatives, and that's right. 
that's a fact. That's not, you know, an emotional argument. I don't, I mean, that's just one example, but I think. That's right. We don't want, we don't want florists to come out of this and feel um, intimidated. I mean, there is a level of shock. There is, there is no doubt that when you start getting into the science, there is a level of um, upset or shock that comes with that sort of realisation of the state that we're in particularly with regards to climate change. Mm -hmm. I had to go back and do a bit of homework on the um, IPCC's website the other day and I came out just thinking, you know, like, oh, my goodness, this is, this is too big. I this know. Is, you know, like we're at the very last moment of saving our planet. We're at the last moment of yeah. saving our planet. Yeah. But um, get, you know, round up enough people who want to do the right thing? You've seen it with the with, even with the foam yeah. um, issue. There's a lot of florists that don't touch it, or at least have cut right back to those moments that they really don't know have an alternative for. So, so getting a huge shift now. If you can get that with climate, great. We've done. You've got. You have a. We have. We all have this ethical responsibility to do whatever we can. Yeah. So, so absolutely, we don't want any sort of shaming. Um, we want people to be inspired to have with new tools or a new understanding to go forward and make much better decisions about I their love business. It. Yeah, absolutely. And on the climate issue, it sounds like um, some of those are, well, they're such large issues because of supply chain or transportation that it, you're, the course is going to sort of present the state of the situation and then help students figure out how to self-evaluate and make, you had said asking questions about their their process and their decisions and their sourcing, right? That's correct, yeah. To, to ask questions and, um, you know, we, we're using our interviews to help um, that, under, you know, why and how and, and strategies. And, and it's really important to remember that none of us are perfect. Yeah. Um, we don't have the perfect solution for, for anything, really. What we do have is a very, very strong um, idea of what direction we should be heading in. Right. And and if you can get that sort of like, you know, giant ship sort of turned around, it's slow, but it is very, very powerful once it's, it's mm -hmm. around. And a lot of that is to do, like the big thing is is, is flowers and sourcing. And, but the role that... It cannot be emphasised enough how much power florists have in this whole in this whole um, industry because they're the one they're not only talking to the wholesalers but they're talking to their customers and at that moment of a transaction they can completely shift the dial about where where something's going where yeah. the money is where the money is going you know you can ring up. Um, an, an example, you might, you've got a wedding, um, you, you're there buying, um, you ring up, I need some red roses, we've got, you know, we've got some locally grown or we've, or we, we don't have any locally grown, right. we've got some that have flown 15,000 kilometres, but we've got beautiful red dahlias. Um, you ring up your client and you say, look, there's only the roses there, This is these are the choices, really high carbon footprint but we've got these beautiful locally grown dahlias. Here's a photo, text it through, decisions made. And I've done that a million times with, with clients. Right. You can shift that decision at that point. So, so 
as the florist, you have such a powerful role you can play, you know, in all this decision-making. That is such a great example, Rita. I'm so glad you shared that because I do feel that um, for the whole, the last 12, 15 years I've been reporting in this world, I feel like I've often heard that hand-wringing conversation like, well, I wouldn't do this, but my client wants it. And, you know, my client's asking for something out of season, for example, or that's been imported. And my feeling is, but you're the artist and you're the person who has the ability to solve problems creatively, the client hired you because the client doesn't have those skills. And so it's a more like, a, it's almost like this, this certification is going to empower florists to make those bolder kind of um, decisions about their own business and how they choose to run their business uh, to align with their values. And I feel like that's, right. that's a gift. That's such a gift that you're giving the industry. And and also I think, you know, you, you the word artists really important there because we think about where we are now as florists and for so long for hundreds of years floristry has been very closely aligned with art the art world and and the subject of paintings and and flowers right. uh, you know but but what it is now it's it's shifted to become a a, a it's more closely aligned with fashion a lot of the time and yeah. so on and that is problematic you know because fashions change trends change and what happens is is when these colors come through you get these you know ridiculous pantone colors or whatever it is yes, yes. the influence comes through and it's like suddenly everyone wants you know royal blue whatever hydrated yes. and that message gets back to the growers well they can't suddenly produce it takes three years to establish the plants to to, to satisfy that color trend, and, and breeding so, breeding takes even longer, right? Like it's just crazy. <laughs> yeah. So so this idea that the 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 that that fat, that trends and fashion have come to influence floristry so much is 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 a big part of the problem. I think mm, that's a really good point. Yeah, and if you if you can just I guess, rethink about how you live in the seasons and let the seasons be your fashion statement. I think then you're, you're, you can't go wrong. I mean, that's, in fact, I've, I've said that to people recently where, you know, I'll, I'll interview a florist and I'll ask the florist to describe his or her aesthetic. And sometimes people will say, oh, garden inspired or wild and whimsical or, you know, whatever these, these phrases are. But when you really drill down to it, people who um, are in the soul flowers uh, mindset, um, most of them are driven by seasonality. And if that's the case, then, you know, it's it's just completely in aligned with what what is available from the local farm or the local garden. The palettes naturally look appropriate. Yeah, that's, I know. Because <laughs> it's not, you know, it's not this weird, like, bright color in a, in the middle of winter or something like that. So, yeah. And the other thing, too, that's, that's um, you know, that, that, it's really important with this is the most recent fashions have been so flower heavy mm-hmm. so an absence of foliage now to me it, it doesn't make sense it's this you have a, a plant and and the flower appears for a week for the year the rest of the plant the time you're left with this sort of green foliage so part of the garden part of uh, horticulture is 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 a celebration of green greens and foliages so 
And we've seen that completely disappear from the aesthetic that's dominant at the moment. Um, right. That's such a but, good point. But but the actual um, growth of woody green plants is can be um, it, you're sequestering carbon in that right. process. Right. So so shifting to using more foliage, like when I think about how do I get how do I survive winter here when there's no flowers? I have I bring foliage into the house always. Yeah. There may not be any flowers flowers around, but you want that buzz, that kick of nature, then you can get it utilizing, you know, like in the autumn, you're just like, oh, beautiful. I love it. Oh, yeah. I love it. I to- I couldn't agree more. And um I do think that um uh even, you know, when you think, for example, you think in Seattle that we where I live, that we're in this like a very evergreen city with lots of trees, but there was just a report last week about like the number of acres of tree canopy that was lost to real estate development in the last 10 years. And it's it's sobering to think about, you know, we're losing our carbon, you know, sequestration tools and our oxygen supply is affected by that. And, you know, just uh, so let's celebrate plants in general and That's see right. more of them in our floral designs. Yeah. And, you know, and, and berries and buds and you know, the the variety, not these sort of, you know, this everything's cut to the same length at the same length of development, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. To have imperfection, you know, you have to yeah. um I agree. You know, embrace it a little bit more. Yeah. Says the botanist. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, this has been so much fun and I'm so inspired really just to encourage your final months of pulling together um, the course and getting it launched. But people can get a lot of information right now at sustainablefloristry.org. Um, the site is beautiful. You have a lot of resources, um, links to affiliations and to studies. And so um, I would just, we'll share that link with people to find. And then if you scroll down to the bottom of the homepage, there's a perfect form to fill out and just get on the mailing list. So when new announcements are ready to go, you're the first to hear about it. Um, and also you're a very active posting on social media. So um, is there anything else that you want to sort of leave with people to take action right now and uh, uh, just, or just stay tuned? <laughs> oh, look, stay tuned. And, and you know, I really look forward to, to welcoming people on, on board this sort of um, journey. Yes, <laughs> I guess it is. Or a change. We, I hope that people um, find our site inspiring and we welcome feedback Um too um yeah it's 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 not something that's just going to be ticked off with one course we plan to follow this through um the next seven years um I was I I agree with you like you had you know I was thinking that when you're talking about the course like this is an evolution this process will continue as new research comes through and new resources come through yeah we're Um, going to tackle new subjects each year that is amazing. And um, there's just, I, I've, I've really enjoyed what I've read on your website. And I think I, there's a quote on here that you, where you talk about something to do with, maybe it is your manifesto, when you talk about basically wanting to work yourself out of existence. Like, uh, wouldn't it be great someday if all florists were just um, thinking about their actions and how they mean, mean to the planet and that in the future, um, you know, maybe an organization like this won't won't need to exist. I think it'll be a long time. <laughs> I think you're a powerful voice, but I just think that that's a lofty goal to say, 
you know, we, we want to we want to get to the point where this is just a natural behavior pattern for florists. That's right, yeah. We want a new standard for floristry and yeah. the ones that sit, sit around. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. And we will um, share all these links uh, and resources in our show notes at slowflowerspodcast.com. And Rita will uh, hopefully meet in, in person sometime in the very new future. I just enjoy <laughs> and appreciate you so much. Thanks, Deborah. Likewise. Thanks so much for joining us today. You'll find the replay video of my conversation with Rita, as well as more resources that we discussed in the show notes for episode 601 at slowflowerspodcast.com. In the near future, SFN will announce its continuing professional development course and membership program, setting a new standard for floral design based on sustainability principles. These principles are entirely aligned with the Slow Flowers Manifesto and will elevate floral education to an essential new level. I'm excited to support this campaign. Our next sponsor thank you goes to the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms, and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Visit them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. And thank you to Longfield Gardens, which provides home gardeners with high quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Check out the full catalog at Longfield Gardens. That's longfield-gardens.com. Thanks so much for joining me today. The Slow Flowers Podcast is a member-supported endeavor, downloaded more than one million times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show or a long-running podcast, check out all of our resources at slowflowerssociety.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of The Slow Flowers Show and The Slow Flowers Podcast. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more slow flowers on the table, one stem, one base at a time. I'll see you then.